This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Golazo. It's our Wednesday preview. We have a lot of matches. Premier League, Copa del Rey, Copa Italia. We have Jimmy Conrad with all your betting lines and much, much more with tips and James Bench as well to give us some analysis. We also discuss, of course, what's going on in Marseille as things go from bad to worse. Que Golazo begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Que Go Lasso on this Tuesday. This is our Wednesday preview. And of course, we discuss the latest news from around the world of the beautiful game. We have James Bench. James, how are you, bud? I'm good. Um, I've been, I've only just woken up. It's like four o'clock here. It was a really, really long deadline day. Um, I'm so happy it's over. So yeah. happy. <laughs> James, your work all over the website, of course, your reporting, et cetera, yesterday. Fantastic. Well done, my friend. Uh, you deserve to live like a third year uh, uni student at this point. <laughs> and Jimmy Conrad, Jimmy C is back. Jimmy, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Look forward to hearing what Benj has to say about the transfer window and his hangover, whatever he's got going on right now. So it should be good. But I, I like him. I'm glad it's over. And we can look forward to a very exciting month of February because I think we're going to start to find out who are the pretenders and who are the contenders. Well said. And to you as well, Jimmy Conrad, well done on HQ, on the pod, just, you know, and outside CBS stuff. My goodness. I'm with two very hardworking people. All right, let's <laughs> discuss today because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to begin with latest news before we preview Wednesday's action, which includes the Premier League, of course, uh, cup competition around the continent. But I want to talk about the latest news. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to head on Marseille, everybody. <laughs> a lot going on uh, in Marseille. But before we do that, uh, obviously, if you listen to the pod, you know that Jimmy Conrad and yours truly gave you a winners and losers yesterday from deadline day, the January transfer window. And because James Bench is here, I wanted to just get his thoughts. James Bench from January transfer window leading up to the very end. Who can you give me? Just give me some thoughts. Just people, teams, clubs, perhaps even players that you thought won during this window and maybe some that you didn't think did uh, so well. I mean, I guess no one for me few teams have really moved the needle and that's not a great surprise because there just wasn't the liquidity in the market to do business. I think Liverpool, I guess just by default in that they could have ended uh, January with literally zero fit centre-backs and have two have done pretty good work. The deal for Kabak, now it's worth saying, Kabak is a guy they wanted to sign even before Van Dyke and even before Gomez went down and they've paid one and a half million pounds to loan him and then they have an option to buy him. He's, you know, and it was, you know, coming diving into him into some of his statistics. He is brilliant. Great long passing out to the left flank. Andy Robertson's going to enjoy playing with him. Um, because obviously, you know, I talk about Arsenal a lot, club I've covered. Seems to be a lot of hype about them paying people to go away. I'm not <laughs> entirely sold on it being brilliant business. Um, equally, obviously, they sent some youngsters out on loan. Um that was a really exhausting part of yesterday, the Ainsley Maitland-Nars, the Reese Nelson drama. Uh, I have doubts about whether either of those players are going to environments that are conducive for developing at Arsenal for certain, and even for just increasing their value. I don't particularly see how Ainsley Maitland-Nars almost certainly getting reject relegated with West Brom is going to help make him a better player. Um, you know, going to Newcastle is always a risky business when Steve Bruce is in charge. So um, I think Arsenal, there's been a little bit more hype than was, was necessary. Uh, obviously, the rest of the big six, have they done anything at all? I thought Chelsea would probably actually did quite well just to keep the squad, give Tuchel time to look at everyone, not loan out someone like Billy Gilmore. So, yeah, Liverpool team I liked out of the big six, a um, bit underwhelmed actually by Arsenal the more I think about it. 
Yeah, no, it's fair to say. I think some of the sentiments that uh, Jimmy and I echoed. I, I will I will jump in really quick just to speak about Maitland-Niles and Joe Willick going to, to the respective teams that are bad. There is something to be said about getting playing mm. valuable playing minutes and also and also to go to situations where they're, it's kind of crappy. You know, you have you get you're going to get tougher. You're going to play in a system and you might even appreciate when you go back to Arsenal, how much better you have it when you go there. You know, so there's <laughs> there's a lot of, I don't know, subtle value, I think, to these opportunities for these players. And then, you know, they might not, they might, it also could work against them. Um, they might not play well for these clubs and that could be a mark again. There's a bit of a risk, I think, for both the player and the club. But uh, I do think there's a lot of value there just to find out what these players are actually made of when they get out of their comfort zone. Yeah, no, it's fair to be said. I think one of the so, biggest- Just to play devil's advocate. Just no, no, I think both, uh, both points are, are valid. On one hand, you could say, why would he go to a club like James said, where he, even though he'll get his minutes, it's- it's it's vastly different from from you know advancing as a player. But mm-hmm. to your point, Jimmy, this is a player that's probably trying to you know shine the light uh, to Gareth Southgate and, and England's uh, squad and, and see what I he can do. It won't happen, but you know, <laughs> I agree. But I, I think but as a, <laughs> as a player, it's, it's probably very important for him to get minutes, mm-hmm. uh, albeit to the club where he's going. Uh, but all right, that's it. That's that's what we. Are. I wanted. I just wanted some uh, some some uh, some color from James Bench as uh, <laughs> uh, as we as we close down uh, the transfer window. All right, the second part of our latest news, before we get into our preview, we have to talk about Marseille, everybody. Marseille, absolutely insane. Go to cbssports.com. Jonathan Johnson, obviously all over this. He'll join us later this week to even talk more as because they face this weekend. Obviously, there's a midweek game they have, but this weekend, Le Classique against PSG. That should be very interesting. So much going on. And I'll just give you a quick recap. And obviously, James can add some context. And of course, Jimmy Conrad will add some very much needed color to this team that he very much supports. At the latest, uh, Village Voice uh, offered his resignation earlier on Tuesday. Uh, it's been accepted by the club, and actually the club has suspended uh, you know, Village Voice as of late, and which usually follows a, a sacking from that moment. But before that, before the games and before the tactics, before the losses this past weekend, uh, certain members of the fan base uh, broke into the club's training center uh, amid protests against the president, Jacques-Henri Euro. And, you know, it was it was bad. Uh, you know, they they hurt a, a player. It, you know, they obviously it was about 150 to 200 fans try to break in the Dreyfus Center. Uh, it, it was it wasn't pretty. And Village Boris, uh, you know, on Tuesday said that that wasn't the reason. Obviously, it was part of it, but it was actually because <laughs> they thought that they were in agree. He thought he was in agreement with the club in terms of a transfer with Nitschip, uh, who he didn't want, uh, but the club got him anyway. So it just feels like an amalgamation of things, uh, just building up, uh, you know, the lack of support for the coach, the coach's lack of support for the club, the fans uh, just unhappy overall. And it's very sad to see this is a very, very strong historical uh, club of importance in French football. The supporters are really passionate, uh, you know, for both the positive and negative. Uh, let's let's begin with you, James Bench. Just overall, from what's happening, they have a game tomorrow, a huge game on Sunday. Uh, there's talks now per Fabrizio Romano that obviously uh, there's people interested in the job. Ernesto Valverde being one of them, Mauricio Sari being another one. Uh, it's just not good right now at Marseille. Yeah, and yet it's an attractive job. It's you know the second biggest. Some might argue you know the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in France, um, and actually a team that was just looking at the league and table. Yes, they're down in ninth, but they've got two games in hand on most of the teams around them. They're only 10 points off Monaco in, in fourth. And I think they're, I remember when we were doing our Champions League pods, it was sort of weekly humiliation for French listeners. We <laughs> laughed at Marseille's continual ineptitude. Um, and I think, you know, I look at that squad and uh, a lot of that has to come down to how, what VS Bosch is doing with these players. They're not, they're not great. They're not world beaters, but they are not a bad team. And Olivier Encham, not a bad player at all. You know, is he a player that, you know, a manager will be signing a new contract just to spend extra years with? No, but he's a good player. He was really highly regarded at at Celtic. We've seen that Celtic, good Celtic talent, is talent that achieves at the highest level. Moussa Dembele, Virgil van Dijk, Kieran Tierney. (laughs) 
I mean, I know that it's not, it's obviously not just about Enchant, but what a stupid reason to lose your job. And, you know, he's, he's not going to get a payoff for this. It looks like he's, you know, I mean, he's obviously resigning removes that option anyway. Um, I think AVB is, has not covered himself in glory. I remember looking back for a piece last week on, you know, the work, the best and worst uh, Chelsea manager, spoiler alert, he was the worst of the Abramovich <laughs> era. I'm not seeing. You know, not surprised. Yeah, I've not seen the wonder kid that that took Porto to the Europa League pretty much at all ever since he, you know, he left Porto. A little spell at Tottenham aside, it's you've got to be really good to play these political games. You've got to be too cool. You've got to be Mourinho. AVB is not at all, and Marseille will be better off without him. Yeah, uh, the Nisham situation, I think, is more masqueraded as an excuse for something else, uh, of course. Um, all right, Jimmy, you, this is your club. You, you love this club. I do, yeah. I do. I do. I support them. I have a good relationship with the club, uh, at least their social media team. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave it there. But it's, it's interesting. Uh, to your point, Luis, I feel like maybe that was a mechanism for them to initiate some friction with AVB so they had cause to fire him. You know, maybe there was some levers in this contract that if he resigned instead of being sacked they didn't have to pay him a certain amount of money he's come out in this press conference and said he doesn't want uh, Marseille's money there's a lot going down in this whole thing and I, I think we're going to need a few weeks to really kind of find out exactly what went down and how and why but let's move past that I thought the guy was a fraud anyway so I'm excited he's gone from a fan perspective and why I say that is because when I watch teams play you can sense pretty quickly if, if the players are on board with what the plan is for that day in particular. Every Champions League game that I watched, the one where James said everybody's laughing at, at Marseille, they never looked like – that's they didn't have a plan, but the plan that got put out, you could tell that the players just weren't bought in. There, there was no excitement to it. It felt very defensive. There was, And they have some incredibly good attacking players. So to put handcuffs on those guys and not let them be themselves felt very frustrating. I was frustrated for the players, and, and, it, and it showed. And they scored one goal in the run of play, I think, out of six group stage games, which is ridiculous. So they were doing okay domestically. So he was holding on. And then he's now dropped, you know, four straight games in all competitions. And you know, the fans are pissed off and they're going to come. I mean, you have to be, for, for a mob of 150 to 200 fans to come mob your training center, you got to be playing pretty bad, right? And there's got to be stuff going on within the team and the players are frustrated and things are just leaking out in a way where things aren't going well for a mob to show up at your training center. So I don't approve of that, obviously, to intimidate and to have violence to try to get the players to play better. Probably not the way to go. Uh, so I'm not going to uh, agree with that sentiment at all, but I can understand their frustration probably at the core of, of why they wanted to do it in the first place. That said, let's look forward. They do have some big games coming up. Uh, you guys brought up uh, Ernesto Valverde. Solid hire. I'd be okay with that as a fan. Uh, Maurizio Sarri, he's been known to want to start a season from scratch. So I'd be really surprised if he popped in here unless he wanted to. Maybe they've got great cigarettes in Marseille because that guy smokes like I've never seen like a chimney. <laughs> and then you have uh, another player, a guy we haven't named, Leonardo Jardim, who I think would be a good hire. He helped Monaco win uh, Liga uh, 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And, and that was with Kylian Mbappe and Fabinho and all these guys that we're familiar with now. But he's really familiar with the league, whereas those other two guys aren't. And I think that would give him a nice head start. And obviously, he would have a little bit of that pedigree that I think these other players would buy in. And they just need to hear a fresh voice. So he would be my number one guy, even though the other two might feel a little bit sexier. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, this is obviously a snowball situation where it's just like a problem over a problem over a problem, mm -hmm. just dealing with it. And of course, like you said, we don't condone anything that happened with the fans uh, breaking into the training center. We don't condone the way that the club has been managed, not even condone Villavoice's behavior, to be quite honest. Just everything is just, you know, piling up on the club. I will say this, which is kind of what I said when uh, Phil Neville entered into Miami. It's very important for a manager to kind of reflect at the very least the identity of a club. Marseille, oh my God, even more so. I, I've gone, I've been to the city many times. This is a proud city, a working class city, an immigrant city, a multicultural, loud, proud, voiceless sort of, you know, uh, identical city. It's not the glitz and glamour of Paris. It's, it's very, very uh, strong when it comes to knowing who they are. You need to reflect that on the pitch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, AVB, AVB just doesn't, do that any final comments from this james bench anything that you wanted to add uh just hearing what luis is saying there it's got to be pards hasn't it 
we should have left it on on that on, yeah. on your Jay Luis. Edit this uh, out. No, that, that would be amazing. <laughs> I like that. All right. We will be right back. When we come back, we will preview Wednesday's action, including a very busy Premier League Wednesday. Stay right here. Kego Lasso will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso, James Bench, Jimmy Conrad here to preview Wednesday's action. There's Copa Italia, there's Copa Rey, there's German Cup as well. But we really want to just focus in right now on the Premier League. A lot of very intriguing matchups. Every single fixture on Wednesday is from a team, includes a team from the top of the table, the top half of the table. So we really just want to give you uh, a little bit of a preview in each one. And let's begin from the very top. Burnley. Uh, not Burnley, but the people who they are facing, the team who they're facing. Manchester City. Uh, I love that. Let's talk Burnley. Let's talk yeah, about Burnley. Exactly. Man City, who, as we speak, of course, top of the table. Uh, you know, we're not discussing the Tuesday games. Uh, we're taping on Tuesday. This is Manchester City on a roll. Pep Guardiola City. Uh, no injury concerns for City aside from uh, Nathan Ake, Sergio Huero, and of course, Kevin De Bruyne. Aside from that, Pep Guardiola is feeling confident. They face Burnley. Uh, Jimmy, let's begin with you on these lines. I mean, surely it's just one-way traffic when it comes to deciding who's going to win this one. Yeah, it really is. I mean, even without Kevin De Bruyne out, Sergio Aguero is training again, so that's a positive. I don't think he'll play, and as you mentioned, Nathan Ake will not be in. Not that it matters. Their defense has been very stout. For me, City are unstoppable right now. They're unbeaten in 19 games in all competitions. Uh, they come into Burnley on a 12-game winning run and have lost just once on the road. So, you know what, Burnley? I have some respect for some of your players, and, and I admire your coach and, and some of the things that you, that you do to have to survive in this league. This isn't the game where it's going to happen for you. The odds are so stacked against Burnley and, and so in favor of City. I'm actually going to do – I don't think I've done this in a while – a Captain Obvious parlay. So there's a couple teams I'm throwing it. in there. I'm just going to throw this one out there so you guys can get the, it's 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 uh, Man City beating Burnley away from home. It's Leicester to win over Fulham at Craven Cottage. They have a little work to do without Jamie Vardy and and Ndidi. And I know we'll get into that game a little bit more, but just to give you guys this odd, and then Liverpool to beat Brighton at Anfield, and that pays plus two twenty two. So you got to bet hundred to win two hundred twenty two bucks, ten bucks to win twenty, whatever you guys want. But I put all those in. Those are the captain obvious ones. All three of those teams are better on paper. They have the better players, and even despite some injuries, they probably have better managers as well. All three of them should win, whether they will or not, obviously, uh, to be decided. But 
I really like that. And that's the only way you're going to find some good value probably in all three of those games. So just, just so you know, but Manchester city are on something different. They've really unlocked a lot of different things. We've talked about them ad nauseum over here over the last week or two, just in terms of how much they've turned things around. They're the first team to win all nine games in a January in all competitions. Okay. Since 1888, right? Since the league started. That's crazy, dude. So they're on something right now. And as Heath, I think said on Sunday, they have a big February coming up. That's really going to decide whether they're going to really be contenders, I think in multiple competitions. Yeah. Including uh, this Sunday, of course, when they face Liverpool, uh, James, uh, Jimmy, myself, Heath, we've talked a lot about this, about uh, Man City on the way, we think to winning this Premier League title. How do you see this? And, and obviously the game against Burnley. Well, um, I remember uh, for previewing Sunday's game for Burnley against uh, Chelsea, I tried to be really clever, not really good idea, and said, oh, yes, you know, great game for Burnley, this, um, against the possession team. They can soak up pressure. That didn't work. I think Burnley had one shot. Um, this is going to be even worse because City are, they're like a surgeon at the moment. And we saw them do the exact same thing even when they were struggling um, at home to Burnley earlier in the season. It's just a question of kind of how they beat is how City beat them. Um, Riyad Mahrez was amazing in the reverse fixture. Um, I love watching him when he's in, in good form, but equally, you know, maybe this is a game for Gabriel Jesus to hit the net a bit more and just assert himself. I think that is still the thing that I worry about when it comes to the business end of, of City season is, is, is that number nine quite at the absolute top level to win you games against Liverpool, to win you games in the Champions League quarterfinals, semifinals. And I have my doubts. I, I don't really, there's no point really addressing it in this game because if Gabriel Jesus isn't, you've got six or seven other players that are. Uh, Gundogan has become this amazing attacking midfielder of late. Um, yeah, City are going to City are going to romp to this. I'm just looking at the numbers, um, in the past 26 meetings between these two teams, Burnley have won one. Um, that was a one nil in 2015. That you know. It's, this is just the, the worst team for Burnley to play because no team is better adapted to an opponent that sits off the ball, lets them have 80% possession. It's how Man City play every week. Yeah, and let's not forget that Raheem Sterling didn't even play in the weekend. Uh, Joe Cancelo to the ruin of everybody's uh, fantasy team. Uh, so they're going to be fresh and ready to go. All right, let's talk about the prediction very quickly because we've got a lot of games. Jimmy, give me your prediction. I'll say City 2-0. Oh, just 2-0. Okay. Yeah. All right. James Bench? Uh, City 4 0. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll meet you boys in the middle. I'll wow. go 3 0. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not a shocking Fair. prediction. I respect it. I respect no. it. But we'll the four, see. The four year, the four is nil, though. That's like Bench saying that City's going to pull, pull down their pants and you know, pee all over Burnley. But okay, that's fine. <laughs> It's happened before against other opponents for sure. That's All right, let's keep going down the table. Liverpool uh, host Brighton. So, you know, after having, uh, as James Bench mentioned, a successful January transfer window covering their centre-back dilemma and Mohamed Salah looking great and the team in general, to be quite honest, now they host Brighton. Jimmy, give me some lines here. Yeah, again, I'm going to keep that parlay going with regard to this game. Liverpool are coming off a of back-to-back three-to-one wins. Uh, it seems like their offense is clicking again. Obviously, they're starting to fill holes, as we've mentioned, in the back line. I don't think any or either one of their new signings is going to start. I think it's going to take some time to kind of get them and ease them into the lineup. So I, I suspect that Jordan Henderson will be in the team because they got no Mane, no Van Dyke, of course, no Jota, no Matip, who's now out for the season. Milner's probably out. Kaita's out, Joe Gomez, Fabinho, like they are decimated in a certain area of the field in particular. We'll see what they end up doing. Uh, but that said, I still think they have enough, even though I like Brighton. I like Graham Potter. I like their signing of Moises Casado. I don't think he's going to see any action, but they finally won a game at home this season and beat Tottenham 1-0 in their last one. So they should have some confidence there. They're, uh, they've only lost once in their last seven. That said, at Anfield. You know, Liverpool with Mo Salah heating up, Bobby Firmino. I think they're going to play a 4 3 1 2. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that and, and get players in and around the ball. But Salah's on something special right now. And I suspect that Liverpool will do the business. Again, not as one sided as City versus Burnley, but I just thought the parlay would be fun 
for some people this time around as opposed to picking individual players and games? No, absolutely. It's a good one. The captain obvious parlay. I'm taking that to town for sure. James Bench, uh, Liverpool against Brighton, uh, as Jimmy mentioned. Moises Caicedo, a very good purchase. I don't think uh, I agree. I, we won't see him in this one, but, you know, a good win against Tottenham. Can they get anything against Liverpool? Yeah, why not? I mean, I'm looking at their, you know, Premier League results since around Christmas time. They've lost two games since the 16th of December against Arsenal, a 1-0 where I think they were entitled to feel harsh, hardly done by. And then they only lost 1-0 to Man City. You know, they've been playing really well. I thought they were outstanding against Spurs. They could have had more goals. Um, play with real, you know, we will we'll say anyone with even a slight interest in, in football statistics will tell you that Brighton are a much better team than their their record suggests they're the nerd darling. I think they're in the top five in terms of expected goals um, versus expected goals conceded. They are a good team. They have such a good midfield. You know, it, when Caicedo is ready, him and Basuma is going to just dominate this league. And then ahead of them, I think Trossard has been uh, a steady success story. Mope, it, Mope gets in positions to score, which is the most important thing a striker can sure. do. And then you've got you've got great options out wide. Um, Solly March, I thought, was really good against Spurs. Having said all that, is <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Give yeah. me your prediction, uh, James Bench, before I go to Jimmy. Two-one uh, to Liverpool, but it's going to be hard for them. Yeah, I'm going to say exactly the same thing, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I, I like that two-one scoreline. Uh, I I don't want to discount Brighton because of Benja's points. They have been very good, and I thought they were pretty impressive against Spurs. And uh, you can sense there is buy-in, right? We talked about Marseille not really knowing how they wanted to play. Brighton knows how they want to play, and I think having an identity makes such a big difference when everybody's bought in. Yep, very good point. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Leicester City, Leicester City, uh, who you know were taught a lesson by Marcelo Yelsa and Leeds United now travel to Fulham, who just got uh, Sunderland Till I Die's uh, main star, Josh Maja, uh, from Bordeaux. Fulham looking to obviously, you know, uh, get away as further as possible from the relegation battle. Uh, Craven Cottage uh, hosting Leicester City. What do you say here, uh, Captain Obvious, Jimmy Conrad? <laughs> well, I'm going to stay with my Captain Obvious parlay and have all the three big teams that we've mentioned so far win each of these games for plus 222, excuse me, on William Hill. What interesting, what's interesting about Fulham is that they have only lost three times in their last 10 games, but the other seven games were draws. So they haven't actually won in their last 10 games either, which I find fascinating, but also a hat tip to Scott Parker for kind of tightening things up in the back and giving the team a little bit better team shape. And I think that's kept them competitive. Well, I don't know. Competitive is kind of a loose term here. They've, they've, they've stayed in games. I don't know how much they're uh, generating so much going the other way, but they're hanging around. And that's probably the most you can ask for, for a team that's in the relegation zone. Lester though, to your point, Luis didn't look particularly good. Got exposed by Leeds, who, can do that on occasion. I will say, though, that Fulham have two, win this, two wins this season, and one of those wins was a 3-0 thumping of Leicester. I get the sense that Leicester will be looking for revenge. I think that they were embarrassed probably by that result, and I think they'll be looking for a result themselves in this one, and I think they will win. However, without Wilfred Ndidi in the middle of the field, he makes such a big difference when he's not there. Jamie Vardy, obviously, uh, and all of his goals. So Iosi Perez, Ilya Nacho, both of these guys need to step up and really help James Madison and Harvey Barnes, who have been very good and consistent lately, to, to really do that. But that, again, they got to tighten things up on the back, and I think they will. Um, they're still the second-best team away from home in the Premier League. And I think if they really want to – like, let's be honest, right? If Leicester really want to be in the top four, you got to beat Fulham. Like, there's just no – you can't be considered a top four team if you lose to Fulham twice in one season. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of how I see it. And I assume that Brendan Rodgers will be kind of using the same type of narrative to motivate his troops. Yep. No, well said. And I think you said, was it you that said that you don't see Leicester City ending in the top four by the end nah, of the season? Nah, not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. All right, James Bench. Uh, Fulham, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on. I feel like this is such a good game for Harvey Barnes. I feel like he could take over here. But... You know, Fulham, like Jim, uh, Jimmy said, has been very resilient as of late. What do you see here? It's, it's so anti what we associate with Fulham. Um, you know, they came up as a ball playing, you know, they were the, the darlings of the championship, played beautiful football. And this season, they've just refused to touch the ball. Which I think is <laughs> super interesting because you then have a team in Leicester who also really would rather not have the football 
Um, so I think it may just stay in the centre circle. <laughs> no, you first. Like, well, when a, like when there's a FIFA glitch and like nobody can get to the ball. <laughs> so if you look at the games where they've had a lot of possession, you have, you have that Fulham game that they lost, um, a loss against West Ham as well, draws with Palace, Everton. If Leicester have the ball... They don't, they don't play as comfortably. We know what they're about. They're about hitting Vardy with fast breaks. They're about Barnes and Madison on the flanks and, and that energy. Um, and it, Fulham will not let them play like that. Fulham will just ref, will sit deep, will not you know open up space for the counter. So I think this is going to be really hard for Leicester. There just isn't that, that little creative spark. The play, you know, there's neither the player to pick up the through ball from the edge of the box, nor kind of Madison aside the the player to play it. I'm really looking forward to watching James Justin. I've made it a habit to focus on him whenever he plays. Um, spoke to Christian Fuchs about this last week as well. He's just in awe of this guy that whatever position he's playing in, he plays centre back in a back three, and he's still bombing on. He's great, and he could be the sort of player that if he adds to the attack, gets forward in the in the final third at late late notice, takes up different positions, he could test Fulham in a different way. He scores really good goals as well. That's what they need. They need something a bit different, a bit out of the ordinary if they're going to uh, win against Fulham. And like Jim was saying, if they don't start grinding out these wins, someone's going to catch them in that top four race. I'm certain of it. Yeah, no, good point. All right, give me your prediction here, Jimmy Conrad. I know that you have a Leicester win, right? I do. I actually think It'll be tight. Uh, I'm going to say 1-0 to Leicester. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that 1-0 as well. I think it's going to be very tight. James Bench? Uh, I'm going to go one all. I think, oh. it's, I think, well, Fulham always draw. That's, That's true. true. That's a nice trend of theirs. There you go. There you go. All, All right. right. Two more games here in the Premier League for Wednesday. Aston Villa against West Ham. Villa with a very hard-fought uh, victory against Southampton. Face West Ham, who I think came back to reality after losing to Liverpool. Uh, Villa at home to West Ham. Jimmy, give me some lines here. Well, this is a good one. Uh, I think both of these teams, or I know that both of these teams, are now probably harboring unexpected hopes of getting in into Europe. You know, I think West Ham in particular, well, I guess Aston Villa too. Like, wow, look at where we are halfway through the season. We got a chance at this. So they can't really, they both need a win in this one. And, and if Villa win, that would move them above West Ham on goal difference in the table with two games in hand, which obviously would be uh, very good for them. Uh, if, if West Ham win, they would move six points clear of Villa. And I think they would be looking to do that too. And I think that West Ham are quietly very good. I think Villa have already come out and splashed uh, themselves and like, announced that they're going to be a pretty good team this season. Both of these teams should have healthy lineups. Both of these managers don't like to change things. So I think we'll see a lot of the same players that have been playing over the last few weeks. Uh, the reverse fixture of this, if you guys remember at the end of November, November 30th, I don't know why I, I do remember, remember that exactly. this. Yeah. Uh, West Ham somehow pulled out a two, one win despite Villa dominating with 66% percentage, 66% possession, three times as many shots on goal. And then uh, Villa had that, that Ollie Watkins goal that got called back for offside. A little questionable on that one. I actually like Villa to do the business here. I like uh, Ollie Watkins to redeem himself and to score in this one. So I like Ollie Watkins to score. Villa to win 1-0, 2-0, or 2-1. It's got to be those specific 3-1 score or those score lines, those three score lines at plus 650. I like that a lot because I think it's going to happen. From your mouth to God's ears, Jimmy <laughs> Conrad. All right, James Bench, Aston Villa, West Ham, as Jimmy said, both clubs doing very well. And I, I, you make a good point there, Jimmy. I think that it, there's no shock here. Villa is playing well. This is a good season for Villa. And West Ham, actually, you know, we kind of, I, I, I definitely did, woke up one day. I was like, oh, my God, West Ham are like in the top five. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, what do you make here, James Bench? I mean, I always wax lyrical about uh, Villa, and I don't want to give you, you do. a big time, Luis. No, you do. So, you do. Even before we met, even before we met, you, 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 were, you were talking big. That's right. I really like West Ham as well. I think there's, it, it's a real, for one thing, you just, I just know their best 11, one to, one to 11. I think that's such a great attribute to have. It makes me really interested as well how someone like Lingard will fit in when he comes in. But for me, it's a bit of a throwback to how the Premier League used to be. They're a great team at pumping the ball wide, getting crosses into the box and having some outstanding players at just heading, which no one seems to be great at anymore except two players, Mikhail Antonio and Thomas Suchek. Who <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> my player of the, the season. 
I can't find my stats anymore, but I believe the last time I checked this, he has scored more goals since he arrived in the Premier League than Kevin De Bruyne, than Anthony Martial, than Roberto Firmino, than Mason Greenwood. Pick a player other than Antonio and Harry Kane, pretty much. Thomas Suchek scores more goals than them. Defensive midfielder. Um, but that, that also translates to the other end. There's such solidity. Neither of these teams are going to give away stupid goals. Um, so I'm looking forward to the sort of grace and elan of Jack Grealish against the sort of thumping ferocity of Antonio and Suchek. It's going to be a great game either way. It's going to be a bit, it's a bit old fashioned. It's a bit 90s Premier League. I love it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm very excited to see Jesse Lingard to see some minutes from him. And of course, uh, Morgan Sanson, the midfielder from Marseille, uh, maybe, maybe getting some minutes. He won't start. I think uh, Dean Smith is very strict on, 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 you know, the starting lineup. But all right, give me predictions, Jimmy Conrad. You yeah, said three one, right? I, I well, no, I so, sorry, I had three score lines. That that oh, three score be. lines, my fault. Yeah, so I had Ollie Watkins scoring uh, either one zero, two zero, two one. Villa would need to win for the plus six fifty. I could see, I could see a one zero here for Villa. I could see a real grind them out uh, one. But if they do end up scoring, I still think that Villa will find a way to win. I, I do think that that game that they played in the reverse fixture was. Not too long ago. I think that could still be kind of fresh in their minds, have a bad taste in their mouth. I know Dean Smith is still pissed about how that all went down. And, and uh, I think his, his, uh, his love for VAR, if he had any, or for the referees in general, probably dissipated then. So I, I think they're going to be up for this one. I think they're going to be ready to go. I'll say 1-0. I'll say well, I'm not giving my prediction. You can just, you know, read Twitter on the day <laughs> off, of course. James Banjo, what, what are you making here? Uh, I'm going to say two all, but I have one pitch. There's something, you know, something that you guys in America do so well with your sports, throwback jerseys. Mm. Just because this is so 90s, I need Aston Villa in a, the white one they had with like stripes with Muller. Mostly it's about the sponsor. Muller yep. on the sponsorship logo. Yeah. West Ham with the, the pony or Dr. Martin. No, Doc Martins, wasn't it? Doc Martins. Doc yes. Martins one. <laughs> That's what I want. I want throwback jerseys for this game. because yeah. You want you want our Paul Merson uh, era. That's what you want. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Love it. All right. Let's finish off the Premier League with Leeds United. A tremendous performance uh, against Leicester City. Even without Jamie Vardy, I thought Leeds were very good. Against Everton, Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, looking for some redemption as well. Uh, this should be a very good game as well. Bielsa against Ancelotti. What, what do you think, Jimmy? Lines here? Yeah, I almost had leads in my parlay just because of how well they've been playing. They beat Newcastle and then they beat uh, Leicester. And, and I was like, man, these guys are on it and confidence matters. But then I went and looked at the whole schedule for them throughout the whole season. They haven't won three straight games all year. And now they're on the precipice of doing it. I don't know if they will. Everton have to be embarrassed that they got slapped around by Newcastle. Come on, boys. You can't lose to Newcastle, especially at home. That's that's terrible. And then you throw into the fact that Leeds uh, are actually worse at home, uh, or actually they they have more losses at home than they do wins. So there's really no intimidation factor traveling to go play Leeds at their home stadium. I I but they don't draw anybody either. They've got nine wins, two draws for the season, and nine losses. I do like the draw. Crazily enough, I, I do think their confidence. If, if Bamford plays, he's got a bit of a, a little bit of a knock. I think he will. He's been a revelation here, especially over the last few weeks. But over the whole course of the season, I throw him in the his name in the hat for one of the players of the season, uh, along with Suchek. But I will say that um, I'm, I'm feeling a 1-1. And the draw is actually the best value, plus 260. So that's what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards at the moment. Yeah, I'm going with a draw too, but I'm going with a high-scoring draw. I think it's going to be 2 all. I feel uh, like there's going to be goals back and forth here. And Chelotti and Co. will be mad about the loss to Newcastle. They want to score, but equally, they're pretty vulnerable. And Leeds United, as you mentioned, not as great as home as they are away. James Bench, give me your thoughts on this one. Leeds United against Everton. Yeah, I'm leading towards Leeds, even though they're a really silly football team. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no, there's no consistency there. As Jimmy says, they're clearly a team that's kind of, at this level, they're better suited to counter-attacking on the road. But Quietly, Everton, have, even though the results have been all right, especially just before Christmas, it all feels a little bit off the boil. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not scoring as many as he was. I think he's on one in nine. Richarlison's on something like two in 12. And without that, is you know, you're relying on Hammers for moments of brilliance, which are have been kind of fleeting at best of late. Obviously, he's been injured. And 
it's still not quite there. I'm, I'm intrigued as to whether Josh King is ready to kind of play any role at all. I think he's a really solid Premier League striker who takes the chances that come his way. Um, and Everton need that. At the moment, they're just not scoring and you need to be a good scorer. If you're a good attacking team against Leeds, you've got a good chance because their defence is incredibly inviting. But I feel like, you know, Leeds don't have a huge amount to fear from this Everton attack and they can give it a go. They can have fun. And when this team, when this Leeds team are on the front foot, they're really hard to stop whoever you've got in defence and Everton's defence is not its strong point. Yeah, it's really funny what Ancelotti said about Joshua King. Like it was kind of like a backhanded compliment. He was like, "We didn't bring him here for goals," and everybody's like, "Okay, <laughs> he's a really good player." But you know, we didn't bring. What he meant, of course, was that he has a lot of goal scores already. But I don't know. Like they're not exactly you know firing off from all cylinders. I mean, DCL was great at the beginning of the season. He's cooled off a little bit, so he will definitely help. Did you give me your final score prediction, James Bench? Uh, let's go two 0 leads. Two nil lead. And by the way, wow. if they do that, clean sheet as well. Wow. Yeah, if they win, that is one point behind Everton, I believe, in the Premier League. Which is, you know, Everton, I think, have a, a game in hand or two games in hand. But that would be very intriguing indeed. I and mean, that's kind of remarkable. You know, remember this is Leeds' return to the Premier League this season with Marcelo Bielsa. All right, one more break. When we come back, we'll give you those uh, cup matches across the continent, including Granada against Barcelona and Napoli against Atalanta. Stay right here because Kego Lasso will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso, James Bench and Jimmy Conrad. We're now just going to give you uh, a brief preview of what else is going on around the continent. Jimmy Conrad, we got Coppa Italia, Coppa del Rey, the German Cup. What do we have here? Uh, I'm, I'm sad you didn't pronounce it. It's the DFB Pokal. It's like the craziest, I, awesome, you, most awesome cup name ever. You know for, why? Because I sometimes add an L before the K and I end up saying Pokal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. DFB Pokal. There you Pokal. go. Pokal. So I think the big storyline for that is that Bayern Munich's out. Holstein Kiel beat them in the last round. And that means that it's wide open for all these other teams, especially the ones that uh, don't win this competition very often. So Borussia Dortmund obviously has a chance here. I like Bayer Leverkusen a lot. Uh, they're taking on teams that they should beat, but you never know how it's going to go. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach taking on Stuttgart, Leipzig taking on Bochum. I mean, all the top teams should win, and then we'll kind of see how it plays out and how the draw goes if they face each other, and that allows a smaller team to push through. I, I have a relationship. I know the people that run Holstein Kiel, so I'm, I'm ex hoping for them to, to continue their run. They're taking on Darmstadt, and I hopefully they can parlay their, their energy from the Bayern game to, to push on. So that was just kind of – I have no lines there, no games particular to watch, but I'll keep my eye on all of that. I'll go to Copa Italia first. The first leg of the Copa Italia semifinals. I mean, the final four is sick. Napoli's taking on Atalanta, which will happen Wednesday. And then today will be Juve versus Inter Milan. The, the fun part is these are two-legged affairs here in the semis. So we have a lot of good games to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Napoli sits sixth in the, in, the, in the table in Serie A. And they are nine points off the top. Um, and Atalanta, they, they lead them by one point in the table. What I found interesting, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this before we go to, the, to La Liga and Copa del Rey. Uh, Koulibaly came out and said, now he's been with Napoli for a lot, much longer, I think, than most people anticipated. It seems like he's always on the, the tip of people's tongues and he's going to make a move and he never does. He's claiming that this current Napoli team are one of the best in which he's ever played for. <laughs> and I find that interesting. This team currently sits in sixth, you know, uh, but they do score a bunch of goals and win very similar to Leeds. I'm going to use this as almost a, as a comparison. When they're on the front foot, Napoli just bang them in and they are excellent right now. Juice Mertens, unfortunately, 33 year old Belgium is out with an ankle injury, but they've got other, other guys that can step up, but they're taking on another team in Atalanta who also bang in the goals, unfortunately dropped their, their league game against uh, Lazio on the weekend, but previously had beat them in the Copa Italia. So there's a lot of goals here. And, and earlier this season, Napoli beat Atalanta four one. So I'm kind of curious at this. I think in leg one, because the game is Napoli, they're the, they're the reigning title holders, right? They're going to try to regain the title. I see them going for it a little bit more than maybe Atalanta will. I like a two one here. And so I'll say Napoli to win both teams to score plus two eighty Cause I just think there's going to be some urgency. Uh, just so you guys know, Napoli have scored 27 goals in 10 league games at home this season. That is ridiculous. That's the most. And then Atalanta lead the league in goals away from home. So Maybe even not even 2-1. I just maybe it's 3-2, but but I do think that Napoli is going to try to go for it and establish a lead in leg one. So they have something to work off of when they hit to leg two. 
but I get, I wanted to get your thoughts on this game before I move on to the next one. Plus, plus the thoughts on Koulibaly saying this is one of the best Napoli teams he's ever played for. I mean, have some respect for Mark Hamshik. You know what I mean? Well, I was just going to listen. Koulibaly is doing that. You watch Modern Family. Koulibaly is doing the Phil Dunphy right here. He's trying to just cheerlead you. Just tell okay, you you're right, amazing. Right. You're awesome. Uh, you know, there's no doubt there's talent in this squad, but come on. Are you serious? <laughs> come on. Especially his first few years there. He had some ridiculous players. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, just because of all the stats that you just said, I can go with a 3-2 here. I don't know exactly who will win this one, but a 3-2 is what I see. James Bench, what do you see in this one? From the neutral, a very entertaining game for sure. It's going to be really entertaining. I'm still really angry about Koulibaly forgetting his own history. I know. know. 2015-16, this is a team where he was, you know, they had him at the back, Reina behind him. One of the best midfield threes of recent years with... Jorginho, Alan, and Hamsik, and then tremendous Mertens, Higuain, Insigne. I'm looking at this now. You know, so much talent in that team. Oh, I'm fuming. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the Phil Dunphy. I tell you, he's he's trying to just cheerlead you and make you feel good, even though it's not true. But I mean, you know, always a good day when you get to watch uh, Chucky Lozano in action and and those guys. But no, they're not. You know. So someone said that Harry Redknapp said that the players around Gareth Bale at the moment are not fit to lace his boots. And that's kind of, that's why that's stuck in my head. This team's not fit to lace the boots of the the great Napoli teams of sort of the mid middle of the last decade. Oh, Harry. (laughs) What are you making this score there, James Benj, Napoli, Atalanta? What do you think is going to happen? I've got no idea. 2-2. 2 2. Yeah, but, well, everybody can agree that, that everybody <laughs> agrees there's goals in this one yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Jimmy. All right. Let's, let's, let's go to Spain then. Let's talk a little Granada, Barcelona. It's the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey. What I found interesting is that despite all the turmoil that's surrounding Barcelona and Leo Messi and his contract being out there in the public and everything else, they've only lost once in all competitions since losing to Juventus in the last match day of the Champions League group stages uh, in early December. And that was the final, the Spanish Super Cup, when they gave up two leads, by the way. They were up 1-0 and then 2-1 to lose to Athletic. So they're in pretty good form, quietly kind of in pretty good form, because all you really talk about with all the gossip, everything surrounding their issues off the field. But on the field, they've, they've started to figure it out. And obviously, we've seen Messi have a bit of an uptick since uh, the, the, the calendar changed to 2021. I suspect that Barcelona will beat Granada again. They're not in great form. Uh, they currently beat some teams that they should beat to get to this point in the Copa del Rey. They sit eighth in the table, but they're only three points away from a spot in the Europa League. However, they've only won once in their last six. And, and this includes getting smacked around by Barcelona 4-0 at Granada's home stadium, which is where this game is going to be. So this was three weeks ago. I don't see it changing too much. But I did want to talk about Barcelona a little bit, obviously, because of all the things that are going around and surrounding the team. I like Messi to score from outside the box. This is a fun exotic for you guys. He just scored a banging free kick against Athletic this past weekend. Are you guys feeling it? I'm going to go with it again, plus 500 on that, which I like, because he's going to get free kick opportunities. I think when you play against Barcelona, you have to foul those types of attacking players as soon as possible when they get in and around your box. And that's why I think they get so many free kicks. And, and obviously they have one of the best in the world that, that knows how to bury them. So I'll take those odds plus 500. I also would consider the Jimmy special here, Messi to score Barcelona to win and both teams to score plus 300. It's hard to find good positive numbers around Messi, but I like that one a lot. Cause I think he will hit the back of the net. I think Barcelona will win. And I'll, I'll throw a flyer. And then Roberto Saldado will score for, for Granada or something and relive the glory days, if you guys think he ever had glory days. So, so uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking now with, with, with regard to this game. But I, I suspect that uh, Barcelona are also probably very similar to the DFB Pokal with Real Madrid out of the competition. You know, it's just another opportunity for Barcelona to one-up their biggest rivals. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Because now that Real Madrid is out, you know, Ronald Koeman can say, well, listen, let's get a trophy. I, it, Atletico Madrid looks like they're on their way of winning the La Liga. So even though all hope is not lost, a cup seems, Copa del Rey seems a little bit more intriguing. I wonder how much of a rotation he will do here. Uh, probably not much, you know, uh, we'll see what happens. But I like that Messi from outside the box. I mean, you always got to count on that, right? Why not? Why not? Score or whatever. James Bench, how do you see this one? Barcelona visiting Granada. Well, Messi had better start scoring from outside the box. I've just seen him <laughs> just getting paid. Yeah, no joke. 
It's part of the contract, right? <laughs> I think you keep. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, I really like Granada. Um, one of the first people I interviewed on this job was Jesus Vallejo. So a bit of a warm place in my heart for uh, Granada. And I don't think they'll make it easy when they want to lock down in defence. They're very capable of doing that. But yeah, I mean, Messi's, Messi's rolling. Um, and I kind of, it doesn't really matter what supporting cast you you put around him. It sounds like it'll be a bit of a rotated one, but you just get as long as the players are capable of getting the ball to Messi, Barcelona will be fine. Um, yeah. No, I, I was going to add really quick. A Busquets comes back into the team, and when I'm looking at Barcelona's schedule, they got Granada now. Uh, they got Real Betis next, Alaves after that, and then they got PSG. So they have a relatively a nice run up to that particular game. Then Cadiz and Elche. Uh, after that, Sevilla, Osasuna, and then PSG again. It just feels like this is a nice stretch for them to really start to hammer in who their best 11 is going to be as they start to prepare for PSG over two legs. Yeah, and I think this is another good opportunity for those players like uh, Trincao, who I rate very highly, mm -hmm. but he's not really getting his minutes in the league. This is another opportunity for him to really do it in the cup. All right, uh, did you give me a, a score prediction, Jimmy? I'll say 2-1. I'll say 2-1, two, one. Two, Barcelona. One. Barcelona. Yeah, okay. yeah, no question, Barcelona. Yeah, But Messi to score. Yes, Outside the box? That would be amazing. You'll hit both of them. If Messi scores from outside the box and both teams score and Barcelona win, you're going to hit both of the bets I mentioned. So yeah, Ooh, that's baby. what I'll go with. <laughs> yeah. I like it. James Bench, what's your final score prediction here? Yeah, I'll go I'll go 3-1 Barcelona. Messi to score outside the box twice. Oh, there you I want to hear that, him. He's quite Thanks, good Bench. at football. He is, he is. That is a bonus in his contract, I think. I wonder what the <laughs> bonus was for scoring a free kick with a player running back to help the keeper, even though he's that would be amazing. I'm going to go with 2-1. Uh, Granada is a very resilient team. They're very tough to, to break up, uh, but I think Barcelona will win this. All right. That was our episode. What a great episode. Any awesome. final thoughts from both of you? Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. No, I think I talked enough, and I want to go lay down for a while. I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> James Bench? Yeah, I'm, I'm very tired and also quite hungover. I had a few celebratory beers at 1 o'clock when I got off CBS HQ. Um, oh, really they're just... Just like a third-year uni student right now. Just, <laughs> just left your uh, English class, uh, and now you're just ready to go to sleep. My God. Final thoughts from both of them, and they just want to leave. That's what you have. That's I want to go lay down. Me. I didn't say leave. I said lay down. I will leave, too. I have nothing for you. Thank you, boys. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey everybody, I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Pod. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. It really helps us to grow the show. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, CBSSports.com, and much, much more. Have a great, great day, and we'll see you very soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.